Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. David Greenspoon first, of course. You know David. He's been on the program lots of times. He's an astrobiologist, award-winning science communicator, prize-winning author. In 2016, appointed the inaugural chair of astrobiology at the Library of Congress and has been a senior scientist at the Planetary Science Institute as well. With Alan Stern, they have written the book called Chasing New Horizons, which we're going to talk about. And David, welcome back. It's always good to have you on the show. Thank you. Nice to be talking with you again, George. What what are your thoughts of NASA finding these organic molecules on Mars? Oh, uh, it's very exciting. Uh, you know, it's um, kind of what we were looking for when we when we sent this rover back to Mars. Uh, we we uh, sent Viking in 1976 and realized that we didn't fully know what we were looking for and were sort of puzzled by those results. And now we've taken this more methodical approach to trying to find the right environments on Mars with, uh, you know, uh, with clues to at least ancient life. And uh, now we've, you know, they've hit pay dirt in these in these mudstones. These uh, these preserved organic molecules are are telling us something important about uh, the uh, history of uh, organic matter on that planet. And we care a lot about organic matter because because that's what we are. That's right. I think one day they're going to find even more on Mars. Don't you think? Well, yeah, I'm sure they will because uh, you know we literally are just scratching the surface, right? With this, this little primitive rovers and, and these little drills, and now that we know that it's there, we're going to go back and, and really start to um, hone in on the right kind of environments on Mars to, yeah, fi- find more of that stuff. David, tell me about New Horizons and the interest in Pluto. Got knocked off as a planet, so why go out there? Tell me about it. Oh, uh, gosh, I don't where to start with that. I mean, it, huh. it, it's, it's scientifically, it's, it's a fascinating place, uh, you know, in ways that we, we suspected before we explored it, but we, you know, we had no idea what kind of a treasure trove it was going to be when, you, you know, when we were ultimately able to discover what it's really like there. But also just in terms of pure exploration, it was, you know, it was, it was a part of uh, the solar system we had never been to, even after the Voyager mission, when we explored, uh, you know, what we, what we used to think of as the outer solar system out to Neptune. And then we discovered this whole other realm of the solar system even farther out. And so, you know, we had to send a spacecraft out there to, uh, to, to uh, see what it's like. But, uh, you know, it wasn't easy. It, was, uh, it started out as just a, a kind of a, what seemed like a crazy dream. Uh, and, uh, you know, therein lies a tale of how it, how it ultimately uh, was uh, that dream uh, became a successful mission. Amazing technology to be able to control a spacecraft some three billion miles out there, and just truly remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, it's it's remarkable at all in a way that we've been able to get to the point where we could send spacecraft off Earth and go anywhere else. But you know, we we man we learned how to do that starting in you know in really the 1960s. And then, uh, you know, you, you, we were sort of taking baby steps to the nearby planets. But this is a whole other thing. I mean, take a 10-year journey, the fastest spacecraft ever sent from Earth, and the amount of time it takes to, to get there and the fact that everything has to work oh over all God. that time period, you know, work perfectly. And there's only one spacecraft, unlike with, the, you know, the old days with the Voyagers and Vikings and everything. We'd sent two to make sure at least one of them worked. 
this was a low, you know, relatively low budget project. They only could build one. Um, it was doing a lot of things that had never been done before, going farther than had ever, uh, you, you know, we had ever sent a spacecraft. And it all had to work perfectly the first and only time. You know, it's a one-shot deal. And so uh, the technology is is remarkable, and it's, you know, it's a product of a, a remarkable group of people who were really dedicated to uh, to this goal. Where is New Horizons now? New Horizons now is uh, almost a billion miles past Pluto. Jeez. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can is, it, is, it, that. is it still and functioning? It's, it's still functioning very well, and it's exploring, you know, this zone. Now we know Pluto is part of this zone that we call the Kuiper Belt, where there are a large number of objects, uh, many of which are small building blocks of planets, primordial building blocks. And New Horizons is actually heading towards another encounter this coming New Year's Eve. It's going to make a very close flyby of a small object called uh, Ultima Thule, which means beyond the farthest frontier, oh, which is kind exciting. of perfect because it really is. Uh, and we, you know, we don't, we don't know anything about, we know very little about it. Uh, and, uh, so this is a yet another encounter that's coming up with New Horizons, uh, this, this New Year's Eve. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, Pluto was just spectacular, but, uh, but New Horizons is not finished yet. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.